All right, it's time to invite the kids to come on up front for our children's message. All right, come on up. Good to see everyone. Find a spot to sit. Good to see everyone this morning. Now, we've been talking for a while now as a church about moving to a building, right? And we're going to do that in two weeks. We'll be in the new building. And so, again, we have to decide what are the things we want to pack up and take with us, and what are the things we want to leave behind because we don't want them anymore, right? And so we'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? So we also want to talk about some of the spiritual things that we want to take with us and some of the spiritual things that we want to leave behind, right? Remember last week we had our suitcase? We started packing up some of the things that we want to take with us, right? And so we're going to discuss a couple more things here uh, this morning. So let's start with love, all right? Now, what do you think? Is love something we want to take with us or leave behind? Take with us. I think so too, right? So the Bible says that God is love, all right? And in that God created us in love and that God has saved us from our sin in love. And not only is God love, but then we are commanded to love as well. We are commanded to love one another. So we're commanded to love each other. So how would, how would, that, how would you do that? What would it look like if you were to love others around you? What do you think that might look like if you were going to love others? Okay, helping them, being kind. Sharing would be really loving, yeah. How do we love people? Okay, yeah. What else? Did you have an idea? How do we love people well? Go ahead, Vince. Okay. Yeah, obeying, yeah. Feeding people are hungry. Yeah, so there's lots of ways that we can love other people that are around us, right? So that's a good one. Okay, so next let's look at selfishness. Selfishness. What do you think? Is this something that we want to take with us or leave behind? Leave behind. Yeah, I think so too. We'll get there in just a bit, all right? Yeah, we want to leave that behind. Should we only think of ourselves and no one else? Should we put ourselves above other people? No. Should we think of ourselves as more important than everyone else around us? No. no. Should we do whatever we want to do without thinking about what God says in his word? No. no. Those things would be very selfish, wouldn't they? And those things would not honor God, right? So, as you think about love and selfishness, which should we pack up and take with us? Love. All right. So let's put that in our suitcase here. We'll pack that up to take with us. And what should we leave behind? Selfishness. So what should we do with that? Now is the time we want to put that in the garbage and leave it behind. Yeah, that's good. So let's remember to love one another. Thanks for coming up. You can go back and have a seat. All right. So we are in a series here, short series, preparing us to move to the new building. This is uh, the second out of three messages along those lines. Again, looking at what do we take with us? 
or do we leave behind on a spiritual level? And so last week we looked at uh, God's word, that we should take God's word with us, that we should never be swayed, never wavering from the truth of God's word, and we should leave behind our, our pride or think we know better than what God says in his word. And so today I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at taking with us love for one another and leaving behind our selfishness. So before we read our scripture, let's pray together. Father God, we praise you. Thank you that you have given us your word. We want to take that with us. We want to hold fast to it. And so this morning we ask as we open up your word that you would give us insight and understanding, help us to bring application to our lives. God, we ask that you would make us men and women and boys and girls who honor you in our relationships. And so we ask that you would accomplish these things within us, that your name would be greatly glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we're going to start by looking at position and conduct. Our position and then conduct. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so we see here the position of a believer, the position of one who has come to faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Verse 3, we see that you have died. That's true of you. In verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Back in verse 3, your life is hidden with Christ. In other words, your life is connected, tightly intertwined. It is one with Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not a believer, if you are not yet in Christ by faith, these things are not true of you. And so the encouragement to you is to repent of your sin, to turn from it, to believe this gospel of Jesus Christ dying for your sin, being raised to life. And so repent and believe the gospel. But if you are in Christ by faith, these things are true of you. This is your true, right now, spiritual position. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My life is hidden with Christ, right? We read in Romans chapter 6 that if we died with Christ, we will also live with Christ. And so this is part of this great mystery of the gospel. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you died along with him. When he was raised to life again, you were raised along with him. This is your spiritual position in Christ right now today. And so then... Your conduct, how you live, should be a reflection of your position in Christ. Right? As a result of knowing this position in Christ, of knowing that you have died with Christ, you've raised with Christ, your life is connected with Christ, what should your conduct be? How should you live? What are those points of action that should follow? 
We see this here in verse 1. Seek. You are to seek the things that are above. In verse 2, set your minds on things above. Those are some of our action or results, resulting action of our position in Christ. Seek the things above. Set your minds on things above. And the things above are talking about the things of heaven. All the godly things, the things that God would have for us. As we think about things above, things heavenly, what or who is the main thing of heaven? It's Jesus Christ himself, right? Jesus Christ himself, that's what our minds are to be set on. That's who we are to be seeking after. So your main focus in life, as a result of your position, the main things that you are to be pursuing are the things of heaven, all that which is godly in Christ. And now contrast that with what you are not to be pursuing. Right? Look at verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. So there's this contrast here. Things above, things in heaven, and things on earth, things that are earthly. And so let me ask you, is, are these action points things that are happening in your life? If you are in Christ by faith, are you seeking the things above? Are you setting your mind on things above? Are you treasuring God's word? Are you investing in getting to know God more and more? Are you striving for more holiness and purity, godliness in your life to God's glory? So as a result of our position, these are things, that, action points that we should be pursuing. Next, we want to look at our old nature versus our new nature. Look back at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And so you are to put to death whatever is earthly in you. Right? We saw again, verse 2, we are to set our minds on things above, not on things on earth. And yet here we see that there are still earthly things within you. Right? Things of the earth. What are those earthly things here? He gives us a list of those things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, those are all earthly things that are still remaining. And what do we see here in verse 5 that we are to do with them? We are to put them to death. Put them to death. So the things of earth that remain in you, all of your selfish sin, you are to put to death. You are to violently attack it, and you are to kill your selfish sin. Sin that remains. The wording put to death here also carries an urgency to it. In other words, you are to do this now. Don't delay. Don't put it off till later. Do it now. Kill your sin now, today. And so we see here this tone. God's word here doesn't say, well, try a little harder not to sin anymore. Well, just put a little more effort in. Why don't you just do your best to you know, kind of manage your sin, keep it contained so it doesn't get out of control. 
don't just commit any of the, the big sins. It's not what it says, does it? It says, put it to death. Kill it. Put it away forever. Is that the mindset that you have to your own personal sin? That's what we are to do. Put it to death. Kill it. Listen, either you will kill your sin or your sin will kill you. Right? Either you will kill your sin or your sin will kill you. Your sin brings deaths of various kinds into your life. Right? Death of relationships. Death of blessings. Death of true and lasting joy. And ultimately, if your sin is left unrepented of, it will bring permanent death. Separation from God in an eternal hell. That's what sin does. And so we have this ongoing sin that we must fight, we must kill, we must put it to death. Right? You are in a spiritual war fighting your own personal sin. That's your greatest battle in this spiritual war. Right? We talk about a spiritual battle that we're in. We talk about spiritual warfare. The greatest aspect of that for you is fighting your own personal sin to kill it and to put it to death and put it away forever. So we are to put to death whatever is earthly in us. And why? Because it doesn't fit with your position anymore. Right? In Christ, you have a new position. And all that earthly, selfish sin doesn't fit. It doesn't line up with your new position in Christ anymore. So we are to put it to death. And in case we need some help knowing what those things are, we have a partial list here, right? In verse 5, partial list of this remaining earthly sin within us. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Right? These are all part of that selfish sin that can remain at some level within us. Some of you here are still holding on to these things in your life. Right? Some of you are flirting around with, with these things, these temptations. You're kind of playing around with them. Keeping them close, not too close, but not too far. You know why you're doing that? Because you're selfish. Right? We're selfish. Why are you engaging in sexual immorality? Because you're selfish and you want to please yourself? Right? Why are you flirting with impurity and passions? Because you're selfish and you want what you want? Right? Why are you letting those evil desires have control? Because you're selfish and you want to serve yourself? Why are you coveting what others have? Because you're selfish. You want what you don't have. You're not content. It's a selfishness. And every one of us here has these things at some level, right? All of us still have some earthly things within us. And so here's my challenge for you this morning. I want you to take some time and think through this list, right? There's a list here. There's other lists like this in Scripture. Take a look at these lists and identify for yourself what is still earthly within you. What is still earthly within you? And then make a plan to kill it. Be purposeful about it. Attack it. Go after it and kill it. Put it away. Continuing in verse 7. In these, all these 
earthly, selfish, sinful things within you. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put away, put, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. So here's more lists, right, of these earthly, selfish, sinful things that remain. Right? And so we are to get rid of them, right? And to use the analogy with the children, we are to throw them in the garbage. Get rid of them forever and ever. Don't pack them up and carry them with you, right? And why are we not to take those with us? Look at verse 9. So do not lie to, to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So here we see this old self. This is your old sinful nature, right? And we see here that this has been, past tense, put off, right? The words put off here means to be completely stripped off. The word here, the, the word picture here is to disrobe or to fully undress. That's what the word picture is. Completely stripped off of all that old self, all the old nature, and then put on the new nature. The new nature is the, the new godly nature that you have in Christ. And so that was put on. You were clothed with that new nature. So again, these are things that have been done. In the past, when you came to faith in Christ, this is what has, ha- what has happened. Your old sinful nature was completely stripped off, to you, stripped off of you, and you were clothed with a new Christ-like nature. So if you're in Christ now by faith, this is true of you. Old nature's gone. You have a new nature. And we see here that this new nature is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Right? There is an ongoing process of renewal within you, a constant refreshing to keep you victorious over sin. Right? The, this is what we call sanctification. Right? Sanctification, the process of killing sin and growing to be like Jesus more and more. Right? The ongoing growth in Christ-like holiness, sanctification. This is, we are being renewed in the image of, of our creator, in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And so, verse 11, since this all this applies to all who are in Christ, in verse 11 we see that there's no longer any division among us, right? Jesus Christ is of greater importance than any distinction between us. All in Christ are being renewed in the image of God. And we see here that Christ is all and in all. Jesus Christ is our everything. He's our greatest treasure, and all of our worth and value are found in him. And because this is all true, because the old nature has been put off and the new nature has been put on, it should affect how we live in our relationships with one another should have an effect on how we live. And so we want to look at an applica- some applications here of personal relationships. Because this putting off, this putting on 
affects our relationships and how we interact with one another. And so as we put that in the context of moving to a new building, transitioning our ministry, we must put to death the earthly, selfish, sinful things within us. But then we have to replace it with something, right? What do we replace it with? Look at verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So here again we see aspects of our identity, right? We see that you are God's chosen ones. So we are chosen by God in Christ. And you are holy because of Christ and you are beloved of God. Again, that's true of you if you're in Christ. This is part of your spiritual position. You are holy and loved by God. And because of this identity that you possess, again, there are certain attitudes and attributes and actions that should follow. Right? As you are seeking the things above and have your mind set on things above, on godly things, these are some things you will be putting on in increasing measure, more and more. Right? Compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, and meekness. You should be growing in patience. You should be bearing with others more and more. You should be forgiving others to a greater degree. These are the things that should be showing forth in your life, in your attitudes and your actions toward one another as you are sanctified in Christ. And again here in verse 12, we see these words put on. Right? Put on, clothe yourselves with these things. And there's an urgency to this. Right? right now, today, and as we move ahead into the new building, have some urgency for these things in your life. Put them on, clothe yourselves with them more and more. These things should be growing in your relationships with others. These should be an urgent thing that you're paying really careful attention to. That's what we're seeing here. And then we see in verse 14, this kind of glue, if you will, that holds it all together. Look again at verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so love is the overriding theme in all that we are to urgently be putting on more and more. We have compassionate hearts because of the love that we have for one another. We show kindness because of the love that we have for one another. We demonstrate humility and meekness and patience because of love. Love is this overriding theme, this glue that holds it all together. So we have, because of our position, because of our love, we grow and put on these things more and more. So if we are to really simplify this down, right? in your relationships, you must put off selfishness and put on love for one another. Right? Throw those selfish things in the garbage, all that selfish sin within you, throw it in the garbage, get rid of it, and put on love. And yet there'll be temptations for us, right? Temptations for us. As we 
uh, interact with one another, as we go to a new building, there's going to be some temptations. So I want to list for you five temptations that you will face as we transition to the new location. There may be more than this, right? But I want to give you a list of five temptations that we'll be faced with as we move to a new building and new location. The first temptation here is pride. Pride. Pastor Jeremy talked about this last week, right? Pride. But recall back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, right? The people were gathered. They were trying to build a a tower to the heavens, right? This great city. And what do they say as part of that? They said, let us make a name for ourselves. It was pride, right? God said, spread all over the earth. They said, we're going to stay here. We're going to build. This is going to be for us. There was pride there, right? Now, if you think about it, think about the new building. The new building, in a way, isn't really for us, right? We will be well served there as we go, right? But we could stay here. We, we could continue on as we're doing, and, and we'd be okay here, right? The building is more for others, for those in our community who wouldn't be comfortable coming and trying to squeeze in here, The new building is for our kids and our grandkids, the coming generations, right? Now, as we go, this temptation of pride, we're going to be tempted to make the building be about us. That will be a temptation that will come before us, right? Remember when we bought this building? Look at this sanctuary that we constructed, right? Don't spill your drink on that carpet that I installed, right? Don't, Don't ruin my chair, Right? Now, again, it sounds silly, but those will be real temptations that we'll be faced with. Right? Our job is not to exalt ourselves, but our job is to exalt our great God above all else. We want to be able to say, look at what God has done. That doesn't mean we don't celebrate what God has done in us and through us to bring this together. But we want to exalt God above all things. May all who come through the doors there be pointed to Jesus Christ. May they experience the glorious wonders of God. May they return praise to our God. And so we must fight the temptations towards pride. Second thing, next temptation that we'll be faced with is, again, selfishness. Selfishness. As we enter that new building, we'll be tempted to look to our own comfort. We'll be tempted to work for our own desires. We'll be tempted to not have any thoughtfulness for others. My needs are first. I'm most important. These temptations of selfishness will be very subtle. Right? They'll be in the, the little things. If they were really obvious, we'd avoid them, right? Hopefully. But these temptations of, towards selfishness come in very small little ways, a point of comfort here, right? A personal preference there. And so if we're not careful, our selfishness will, will grow bigger and bigger until there's no capacity left for us to love those around us. So we must fight this temptation toward selfishness. Third temptation that we'll face, idolatry. Idolatry. And we tend to think of idolatry as, you know, crafting a shape or image from the Old Testament and setting up as a god, and, and that's true. But there's also idolatry that we'll be faced with, too, these temptations toward idolatry in a new, beautiful building. 
that could become an idol for us, right? That could be an idol. And so we could elevate our, our love and our adoration for the building and the beautiful sanctuary above our love for God. Idolatry. All right? Now, some of you have spent countless hours getting that new building ready for us. And, and that's great. You've been planning, designing, tearing apart, cleaning up, reconstructing. And so for those of you who put lots of hours in, this temptation of idolatry will be greater for you most likely than for others. All right? So when you walk into that sanctuary Sunday, there's going to be a temptation for you to focus on the, the windows and the wood paneling and the paint colors and the chairs and the sound system and to look at how great it is, right? If your eyes focus more on what's been built than they look on Jesus Christ, we're going to be in big trouble. Right? We want to exalt Jesus. We want our eyes to be fixed on him. Seek the things above. Set your mind on things above. That has to be of greater worth and greater importance to us than the building. Right? Again, don't get me wrong here. We want to appreciate what's been done. There's been lots of good work there done. We want to appreciate all that. But our appreciation for all that beautiful place should pale in comparison to our adoration and worship of our God. He must be exalted. God must be of greatest importance to us. He must receive our greatest attention and our deepest focus. So we must fight these temptations toward idolatry. Fourth temptation that you're going to be faced with, criticism. Criticism. There has been a lot of work done, again, in that new building. There will be temptations as you go in there to criticize what has been done or to criticize what hasn't been done, right? Our transition team has spent, again, countless hours getting the building ready. We want to honor them for that work, and they should hear of no criticism about the work that they've done, right? They should hear of no criticism over that. All right? So I want to be really clear with everyone here. As one of the pastors, as one of the elders, as one of your church fathers here, this is a stern warning for you. So take it as such. We as elders will not tolerate any criticism over the work that's been done there by the transition team and the other volunteers. Okay? Just so you know, it won't be tolerated. And I want to say this in love, but if you are being critical of others and the choices that have been made and the work that has been done, the elders will come to you with biblical, godly church discipline. So that's your warning. No criticism. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't discuss the things that still need to be done, the things that are are there, right? There's long-term things that we want to look at. We can talk about those things. But we need to value the work that has been done and the hours that have been put in. We need to value and celebrate that, not be critical of it. Also, in addition to guarding what comes out of your mouth, what you say is outward criticism, you need to be careful of the internal criticism because there's going to be a temptation for that too. right? An internal criticism or an internal grumbling and complaining attitude. right? That's not how I would have done it. I'm not sure I like that so much. Right? That internal heart issues. Right? Jesus says what comes out of your mouth proceeds from the heart. So it starts in the heart. Whatever criticism comes out has already started 
It's been growing. It's a reflection of a critical heart within. And so you need to be on guard against that internal heart-level criticism that you may be tempted towards. And that's true not only of the building and the physical aspects, but it's true in all areas of your relationships. Be real careful of that criticism, that grumbling and complaining internally that can stir up. So put off your selfish criticism and put on a love for your brothers and sisters. We must fight this temptation towards criticism. Fifth thing, lastly, temptation we will face in the new place is forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. We read in Deuteronomy, Moses is giving his farewell address to the nation of Israel, and he Moses warns them over and over and over again not to forget. Don't forget God. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget that God has brought you to this place. Don't forget that God has blessed you in this way. Be careful lest you forget the Lord your God. We too will be tempted with forgetfulness over time. Forgetting where we were right here, crowded, bumping elbows, sitting in an overflow room. We'll begin to forget that God has moved us from that into a position of, a different position of of blessing. We'll be tempted to think that somehow we've arrived, right, ourselves. We'll be tempted to forget that we are still in need of Jesus Christ just as much as we were before. We'll be tempted to forget that we are still in need of personal growth and renewal. We'll be tempted to forget the ministry that God has placed before us. We'll be tempted to forget that there's a community and a world of people who desperately need to be transformed by the gospel. So our ministry is ultimately not about the building. Our ministry is ultimately about people. So we must not forget the good people-oriented ministry that God has called us to. So we must fight these temptations toward forgetfulness. So as we move, as we experience God's blessing, there will be lots of areas of temptation for us. We must put aside that selfish sin and keep our eyes and our minds fixed on things above, fixed on Jesus. So as we make this move to a new building, let's throw away all that selfish, earthly stuff within us And let's pack in our suitcases all these aspects of love and let love for one another define who you are individually and who we are together as a church. So let's pray as we wrap up. Father God, you have blessed us immeasurably, abundantly. We're so thankful for the ministry that you have done in this place and in our lives. And yet, God, we do look forward to a new building where we have a little more space and can maybe do more things. But God, let us not give in to these temptations. Father, would you give us strength to seek the things above, to set our minds on things above? Would you help us to kill, to put to death the selfish sin that remains in us, all that is earthly, and help us to put on all the godly things that we have seen this morning. helps to put on Christ, to be conformed more and more in his image. Father, we desperately need you in these things. If we are left to ourselves, we will stumble and fall. And so, God, we ask that you give us strength for these things. We need you desperately. 
Thank you that you have chosen to bless us abundantly. Help us as well to be a blessing as we love one another in our relationships. So may you be glorified in all these things. In Christ's name, amen.